Hello, my name is Rich Procida. I'm the founder of the Truth and Democracy Coalition and the host of Democracy Under Fire. Before we begin this episode, I want to tell you about a few events we have coming up. On Thursday, June 9th, we will be having our January 6th Select Committee Hearing, Watch Party, and Speak Out. The event will begin at 4.30, but you can come anytime while the hearing is going on. We'll fill you in on what's gone on, and we'll share our company and the good food. We also have a number of virtual events where you can attend from anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. On Sunday, June 12th, at 2 p.m. Pacific time, we will have psychologist and political analyst Karen Tamirius speak to us about persuading those with whom we disagree. A very important skill now that we have to bring the country back together again to defeat authoritarianism. To register for that event, go to tinyurl.com slash smartpolitics. On Sunday, July 10th at 2 p.m. Pacific time, Minister Dom Jones and I will discuss religion and the freedom to choose, abortion, Christianity, and democracy. To register for that event, go to tinyurl.com slash abortion religion. Finally, on Sunday, August 14th at 2 p.m. Pacific time, we will have Pierre Norback, the founder of the Swedish Internet Party, talk to us about climate change and democracy. To register for that, go to tinyurl.com slash climate democracy. I hope you enjoy this episode of Democracy Under Fire. According to public reporting, uh, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser first called Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy to ask for help at 1.34 p.m. It looks now like the Capitol Police... Yeah, Pete, let me break away from you a second because things are happening very quickly. According to your written testimony, you were, quote, aware that demonstrators had breached the Capitol. Why don't you guys uh, take it away, Guy and Kit? Kit, go for uh, the, your introduction and then I'll introduce myself. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Rich, for inviting us to do this presentation. Um, we think ranked choice voting is one of the 
most promising democracy reforms available. So uh, I was never very politically active until I, at some point I noticed that the, na the national political climate was so toxic and ugly and it was, it was so disturbing that I couldn't sleep. And after a couple of days of this, I remembered my brother from Austin, Texas, telling me about ranked choice voting. And I, I could see what a big difference that would make in the state of politics and how things could just be a lot more smooth, effective, and people could start getting things done. And I started volunteering with ranked choice voting, and I've been sleeping well. So this is a selfish, uh, self-serving, but... Yeah, I hope I hope that you all will uh, find some hope here as well. So with me today is Guy Camilleri from L.A. Thank you, Kit. And thank you, Rich. Um, super excited to meet all of you today. I, uh, I was in the private sector for, gosh, over 25 years. And about a year and a half ago, I took a break and wanted to try to figure out how to do something that might be a little bit more meaningful to me. And I realized I wanted to go into electoral reform and I didn't know how to get my, my foot in the door. And uh, one day found an internship at Fair Vote Virginia and they focused on ranked choice voting. And it was one of the many reforms that I was very interested in and I thought could really make a difference in our current political environment and started volunteering with them and through them. And because it was the middle of the pandemic, we all meet on Zoom. And so it didn't matter that they were in Virginia and I was in California. Uh, I started learning through them and then got connected with a group called Rank the Vote National and started helping them with coalition building. And then they helped to co-found and incubate a group here in California called the California Ranked Choice Voting Coalition. And that launched in uh, September of this past year. And I've been uh, helping them to grow ranked choice voting throughout the state of California and focusing on cities and eventually a statewide uh, initiative. And so... That being said, being involved in the electoral reform space, I met Kit, which has been great. And uh, through that, we met Rich here. And uh, here we are today. So nice to meet all of you. Thank you for having us. So uh, here we are. Uh, we're, we're Kit and Guy. We work at different in different organizations, but there's a definitely a network nationally, and we're all working together. So we're working to bring ranked choice voting to more places in the United States because we want to upgrade our elections, and we believe that this systemic change can help Americans work together. And the way we elect officials is so important. And we want to elect officials who will work for consensus instead of division. So uh, what's wrong with our current elections? So our current elections, that like if you have five candidates and you can, can pick one, you're uh, punished, the voters are punished for wasting their vote if they don't choose one of the front runners, if they choose their actual favorite. Sometimes they just wait their, waste their vote. It also lets unpopular politicians win by allowing candidates to be elected even when a majority of voters oppose them. Elections are toxic because candidates are incentivized to beat down their opponents and exaggerate differences. Elections are vulnerable to manipulation because when more than two candidates run, the elections are vulnerable to vote splitting and the spoiler effect. And two or more candidates running uh, on similar platforms um, penalize and divide their shared base of supporters. And then it also limits 
participation because new candidates are discouraged from running and new new parties really can't form. So um, how does ranked choice voting help? So your vote really counts when you can vote for your favorite, knowing that uh, you have a backup choice if your favorite comes in last. Uh, Fresh candidates can run without fear of being treated like spoilers. And I think we can all benefit when newcomers can enter a race, share their perspective without fear of diluting the political power of similar candidates. Strong independents can participate without being accused of interference or irrelevance. And problem solving is rewarded where People who are running have a real reason to emphasize areas of common agreement as well as what makes them the best choice. And in ranked choice elections, candidates tend to focus on issues and treat rivals with more respect. So let's talk about, uh, let's take that and talk about how our current system is. Uh, And almost all of you know this. We have a system that is called first past the post plurality voting. So if there's only two candidates in an election, one of them is going to get 50% plus one, 50% or more. So in this case, you have milk chocolate running against candy corn. Uh, Milk chocolate wins 55% to 45%. It's very straightforward. You have a majority majority winner. That's how democracy is supposed to work, right? But then, unfortunately, in our system, we have spoilers, you know, because oftentimes you have more than two people in a particular race for an office. And so let's say in this case, dark chocolate enters the race. So now we have a situation where milk chocolate and dark chocolate split the vote because people like chocolate, but they like different types of chocolate and candy corn gets its same vote that it got, would have got last time, 45% in this case. And so in, in our current system, candy corn wins, even though a majority of people would prefer some flavor of chocolate. And uh, you ultimately have a lot of politicians in our system that represent a minority of the voters instead of a majority of the voters in any given district. And so that's, that's something that we can solve for with ranked choice voting. Right. The chocolate voters are not too happy about this result. Right. Yes. So now primaries. We often have primaries to winnow down a large field of candidates. But the problem with primaries is that they sometimes pick two candidates that don't have even half the support. So here's a recent example that illustrates this problem. Were any of you following the election recently in France, April? There were 12 candidates in the primaries. And The results of the primary, the top two candidates, center-left Emmanuel Macron and far-right Marine Le Pen, went on to the runoff election because they got the most votes each. But progressive Jean-Luc Mélenchon, (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce, he placed a close third, and 27% of the voters voted for other candidates. So if this had been a ranked choice election, voters would have had a stronger voice. That 27% would have had their next choice counted. And we can't know for sure, but the the results might've been different. Another issue in in our country, as we all know, is the increasing political polarization. And our electoral system, unfortunately, exacerbates that problem. 
when you have a system where a candidate who doesn't get a majority uh, of the votes can win and you have a system where more than two people can run and one of those persons plays spoiler unintentionally, you have people now strategically voting, uh, we've all done it, where you prefer one candidate, but you don't vote for your preferred candidate because you're worried that that will take votes from your second favorite candidate, throwing the election to a candidate who you don't like at all. And so you end up, this ends up reinforcing our current two-party system in a way that, uh, especially with a primary dominant electoral system, most of the candidates in our country are in our cities are chosen in the primaries by a, a, a small minority of voters, leading to more political polarization, because now anybody who is a viable candidate is really only going to cater to the primary electorate, electorate that is either very far to the right or very far to the left politically, making most of the candidates who end up in office not very representative of most of us who are probably somewhere in the middle. Exactly. So um, you may have, have read that more than 40% of Americans don't identify with either of the two major parties, but our voting method drives voters and candidates, for that matter, into one of two corners because we really um, essentially just have a, a binary choice. Right. And, and so if we look at what ranked choice voting can enable us to do, uh, let's say, you know, let's say I voted spring first in this case, summer second, fall third, uh, winter fourth. And spring for the majority of the electorate came in last. Well, while my vote for spring, while my vote might be eliminated, my first place vote might be eliminated, I still have a second place vote. So and summer would get the, my vote uh, instead. And so the example here would, let's say we're in an election where you have a very liberal Democrat, a moderate Democrat, a moderate Republican, and a very conservative Republican. And let's say I am a super liberal Democrat. Normally in that election, I would not vote for my first choice for fear of throwing, the for taking votes from who might be my second choice and throwing it to somebody who I don't support at all. In ranked choice voting, which is beautiful, I can register, I can vote for my first place choice and my second place choice, not worrying about spoiling the election. So we're about to, um, you're about to vote in a ranked choice election. And it won't be this one, but I wanted to show you this ballot. On this ballot, the voter put spring in first choice, summer in second choice, fall in third choice, and winter in last choice. So these are the candidates that you will be voting on in just a minute. So think about what's your what's your favorite summer activities. Now, this is a, obviously a Washington state based election. So if you were going to visit Washington state, um, what how would you rank your favorite activities? The, the ferry is ferry ride, there's a sightseeing, that's the Chihuly Museum, there's hiking, there's Mount Rainier in the background, water sports out in the San Juans, sailing, kayaking, paddleboarding, or garden tours. There's loads of gardens too. So here's what your ballot will look like. You'll put your first choice in, you click one of these in the first line and your second choice, here and so on. So Guy, I'm going to ask you to put that link in yep. the chat. And I've, I've 
I've dropped it in the chat for everybody. So please click on it and rank your choices. And then we'll, we'll show you guys how, how it ends up. Campaigning is fine if you want to unmute and say something special <laughs> about your favorite activity. Give it a little boost. Maybe see if you can pick up some second choice votes. We might need some second choice votes to win here unless, unless somebody wins on the first round. We have a vote in the chat for kayaking in San Juan. Kayaking in the San Juans, that's, that's <laughs> a popular one. Okay, I've, I've been watching the back side of this, and I've seen some votes come in. So I'm going to, oh, there's one more just came in. I'm going to share my screen again, and we're going to look and see what happened with this election. Okay, so you all can see the, the tally, I think, with these colored bars. And we've got... Uh, 76 votes in here. Um, Guy and I haven't been stuffing the ballot box. We've used this <laughs> in, other, in other presentations, and that's, that's why there's so many votes in here. And we have hiking has come in first with uh, 30 votes or 39%. Water sports is second. Riding the ferries is third. Sightseeing is fourth. And garden tour came in last with 8% or six votes. So in a ranked choice election, we're looking for a candidate to get more than 50%. And 50% in this graph is represented by the dotted green line over here on the right. So hiking's doing pretty well, but they don't have 50%. Uh, if this were a, a single winner election, they would win. But we've got, um, quick math, 61% voting for other candidates. So we're going to eliminate the last place candidate, which is garden tour. Sorry for the garden tour people. And we're going to give the garden tour people their vote on their second choice. So all the other votes stay right where they are. You could imagine you might be standing in line with the other people who had your first choice unless you're garden tour, and then you are gonna just walk to the next line. I'm gonna click this arrow on the right and go to the second round. And the garden tour people split somewhat evenly, but none of them really want to get out on a little kayak. Oh, somebody just voted for, for water sports. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> stuffing the ballot box right now. <laughs> Well, you know, this app won't let you vote twice. That's, that's true. Election. Good point. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So, so but that's, but so that's like, I better get my, I better get my vote in. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, paddleboarding is my favorite. So that's, that's the line I'm in over here, the orange line. We still don't have 50%. So we're going to have to eliminate another candidate. We're going to eliminate sightseeing and see where the sightseeing votes go for their next choice. Everyone else stays in the same line. Uh, water sports is not picking up many second choice votes, are they? <laughs> but uh, we still don't have a, a, a majority candidate, a majority winner. We're going to eliminate the last place candidate, which is Washington Ferries. And then hiking wins by, by a pretty good margin. Uh, water sports was doing okay, but they just didn't pick up many second choice votes. So I'm going to. I saw a hand raised. If you would, if you have a question and want to unmute yourself, now could be a good time and ask a question. Hi, 
So um, I, I see here we're voting in rounds, and I'm wondering how those rounds work in real time. Do you hang around the voting booth? Is this uh, remote? Done, done remotely, or what happened? Great question. Now, in in the caucus um, method, if you're familiar with that, people are all in one big room and they go stand in different corners, and then one candidate gets eliminated and they walk to other places. In uh, in ranked choice voting, when you fill out a ballot the way you just did, that ballot can go into uh, one of the ballot counting machines and with the right software, it can be almost instantaneous. So the machine will say, will eliminate candidates and take the next, next viable candidate on the ballot until that one candidate gets. Caught. We also, uh, to add to what Kit shared, uh, it's also called instant runoff voting. And so because we get to vote for all of the candidates or any number of the candidates at that setting, the, the machines now can tab immediately tabulate, which saves us the cost of having to uh, do either primaries or runoffs, uh, depending on the uh, municipality. So, so can I ask again, this, this has to happen, so, so everybody has to be in a group somewhere to do this? No. So no, it so would work just like it would work just like to just like today's elections. The different you you you'd vote however you vote via you know in person uh, at your precinct or via mail. Uh, but instead of just getting to choose one candidate for that office, you could rank the candidates in your order of preference. But the way you vote is no different than it is today. Except the ballot That's, is different. Yeah. The ballot's different, but but if you know, but nothing else is different. I see. So the sec I see. I see. I'm sorry. So the second round it isn't something people actually choose. It's just a reshuffling based on the. I got it. Okay. Thank right. you. Right. So 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 if you're looking at the screen right now, it, it, uh, hiking only has 39 percent of the vote. So to the way things work in the United States today is hiking would win, even though 41. Or I'm sorry. What is that? 61 percent of the people are against hiking. They don't want hiking, but hiking would win anyways and be their representative. In rank choice voting, we wouldn't be done because nobody passed that 50% threshold yet. So the last place finisher, Garden Tour, well, the people who voted Garden Tour first, they presumably voted for a second place candidate. And so, as you saw, Kit just moved on to the second round and those voices, those second place votes now got added to the remaining candidates. And that will happen so on until somebody passes 50%. Yeah, I think it was confusing when I said you would be, if you were standing in line, you would be walking over. That sort of leftover from when we did demonstrations in, like we go to a brewery and do a demonstration of ranked choice voting, but yeah, it happens automatically with the, the software. The Can I follow up with question with just one other thing while you're doing that? Right. Uh, sure. So, so this is done via a website, I imagine, of some sort. And is that right or no? Well, what we watched on the screen is done via a website. Uh, in, in real life voting situations, we would have our voting machines uh, right, right. Yeah. like we do now, right? Yeah, that's paper ballot, so, so. With paper ballots, yep, back up, everything. Yep, just, just like we do now, except we would need them in, in ranked choice voting, you'd have instant runoff voting pro, pop, uh, possibilities. 
which allow us to get to a majority winner without having to have a runoff election. Thanks for those questions, David. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, so Guy, what, what are some of the benefits? What are some more benefits of ranked choice voting? Yeah, so um, as you guys saw on that mock election that we just did, now with ranked choice voting, you no longer have to worry about voting your preference and voting your actual choice. You can do that while voting for a second choice and third choice and not worry about spoiling the election and throwing it to your least favorite choice, which is what happens a lot of times in the US these days. From a candidate perspective, that also leads to a much broader, wider array and diversity of candidates. Because what happens in today's races is a lot of candidates are discouraged from running because they might be similar to, let's say, the Republican in the race or similar to the Democrat in the race, uh, but they're not the party-backed candidate. And so they're pressured to drop out so that their people who vote for them don't take votes away from, let's say, the, the party-backed candidate, throwing the election to the opposite party. And so that for sure is one of the big benefits. Yeah, we saw how yep. voters who want a garden tour, maybe they knew that it wasn't a popular candidate, but they could say they want they garden tour was their favorite. And so we got a better idea of what people are really interested in. So like uh, Guy was saying, a major benefit of ranked choice voting is it gives voters um, a stronger voice and more choices. In fact, in places that use ranked choice voting, we see more women and people of color and third parties and independents running in elections without fear of being spoilers. And voters have more uh, viable choices because they can vote for their favorite candidate knowing they have a backup choice. Uh, Minneapolis has used ranked choice voting since 2009 and exit polls show that voters overwhelmingly like it. So another benefit uh, is uh, RCV promotes civil, more issues-focused campaigns. Uh, here we see a couple of pictures of uh, candidates who, while they were uh, opponents, they realized that they had a lot of overlap and issues, and they did agree on a good number of things. And so instead of disparaging the other candidate to get ahead, they basically said, hey, vote for me first, uh, but my candidate, my, my opponent here it's pretty good too. So please vote for them second. And uh, so what we've found nationally is uh, RCV promotes more civil campaigns. And when the campaign is more civil, you can actually debate ideas uh, instead of throw out the negatives of your opponent. Good. Yeah. So uh, they aren't running negative campaigns because so imagine you're running for election and you're out knocking on doors, talking to voters and you come to a house with your opponent's yard sign. Well, normally you would just skip that house because the voters made up their mind and you don't want to waste your time. But if this is a ranked choice election, that changes things. You realize, well, you can still ask for that voter's second choice vote. And if you want their second choice vote, it's not a good idea to sling mud at their first choice candidate. So the best strategy is to be civil and talk about what you stand for. And, and yeah, and I mean, this is a big benefit, right? Uh, because elections are run on taxpayer dollars and we're all taxpayers and uh, ranked choice voting simply saves money, a lot of money. Oftentimes with certain ranked choice voting cities, they eliminate the primary altogether and move the, uh, make the general 
uh, the primary and general election. They can do that because of the way ranked choice voting works. That also means that there won't be a runoff, which also saves the city's money. Um, this uh, example is a Washington-based example, so I'll defer to Kit on that. But I know in New York City, runoffs typically cost 15 million bucks, and now they don't need runoffs because of ranked choice voting. Uh, we've done some analyses here uh, with cities in California that we're working on, uh, and inevitably it saves a ton of money, especially we've already seen it over and over again in election cycles up in the Bay Area where we have uh, already have ranked choice voting established uh, and being used. Right. So to repeat that, ranked choice voting saves money when it, when it combines the primary with the general election. So you run one election instead of two. And uh, candidates save money also by only having to run one campaign. And this helps lower the barrier to entry and encourages new candidates to run. So does anyone have any more questions at this point? I see David has his hand up. Yeah, I'm sorry to keep uh, coming up here. But my, so what I'm wondering is, um, what are the obstacles to convincing municipalities to do this? Or on the flip side of that is, who benefits from the current method? So the obstacles are a lot of current elected officials know how to play the game the way they're doing it now. And they're, they're not really inspired to change the method that got them elected. Also, campaign managers, especially in the two parties, um, have their strategy mapped out for this election method. And they're, they're, there's a lot of this election method is one of the most vulnerable to strategy. And so they're a little hesitant about giving up their strategy. The other thing is um, election officials are rightly concerned about changing the way we vote. And so there are some, some election officials are enthusiastic about changing it and seeing it as a, as a more of a creative process. And, and some are just really wanting to want someone else to go first. Our, our county auditor would really like to see another county go first. So those, those were the barriers. And that I, any more? Yeah. Yeah, I might add to that. Uh, one of the points you made about, well, a couple of points. First of all, about officials that have already that already know how to work the system don't want the system to change. People in power already have power based on the current system. And those people also rely on their campaign managers, uh, as Kit had mentioned, and mentioned. Imagine if you're a campaign manager and you get to charge, you earn a living based on two elections rather than one, or a runoff election. You're gonna get paid, you know, now you're thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> I might, uh, I might only get paid once instead of twice. And so that person's going to influence the candidates to be against it. So the system that exists uh, is naturally going to resist reform and that we found. The other thing I found in states across the country, states that tend to be more dominated by one party or the other, the establishment in that state tends to resist. So here in California, it's, it's a good number of establishment Democrats that resist this reform. And we found in Florida, it's establishment Republicans that resist the reform. Um, that's not universal, but we have found that trend. People in power don't want to dilute their power, and they think they're doing that with this reform, but quite honestly, they don't understand the reform. The reform just allows, it's nonpartisan, it just allows 
the states or municipalities to be more representative of the people, of the voters. All right, so Karen asked how major parties respond to the idea of ranked choice voting. It varies. I have to say in uh, Utah, a lot of Republicans have really embraced ranked choice voting. And in Virginia and some other states, I don't remember, they used ranked choice voting in their party nominating conventions. And they find it, it really helps them find the consensus candidate, especially when the Republican Party is so split right now. And so I think inter-party, they're finding out that it works pretty well, helping them find the most popular candidate. And then a statewide, it depends on which party is in power. The party that's in power doesn't want to change the voting system because they they don't know they don't know how it will change things. The thing is it doesn't change the results of the elections all that much. 90% of the time in a ranked choice election, the person who got the most votes on the first round wins the election. What changes is the way the election is run and the way candidates are interested in getting second and third choice votes. What what changes is um, the incentives for politics, which I, th I think can make a huge difference. I might add to Karen's question at the end there, what ideas to overcome the resistance? What we found is it just, it's just education. When we have, and, and, and I can speak specific to city examples here in California that we've been working on, when we have a chance to actually sit down with the staffers or the council members themselves and explain how it works, that's half the battle because most people actually don't understand how it works. Most politicians haven't thought about it. Um, they've only thought about the system as it is. And so uh, education is a big part. Also overcoming resistance is developing coalitions and relationships with interest groups that the politicians rely on. So depending on what state or city you're in, it could be labor, it could be the chamber of commerce, uh, it could be church groups. Uh, it really just depends. Uh, and, and, and developing and, and educating those groups to the, the power that ranked choice vote, voting actually exhibits and what type of representation uh, that exhibits. Moving on from that, Lisa, you have a question about did the New York City mayoral election work the way it was intended or are there still issues to work out? The answer is yes, it worked. There was some bad publicity in the very beginning, but that had nothing to do with ranked choice voting. Uh, it had to do with the elections board, uh, uh, human error which would have happened whether or not ranked choice voting existed. But if you look at the new city council that just came in based on the ranked choice voting election, it's the most diverse and representative city council in New York City's history. And the only thing that was different between this past election last year uh, and the ones prior was ranked choice voting. And so there's a lot more detail in New York City we could get into, but that's, that's sort of the 30,000 foot answer uh, to your question there. And then, David, you asked, what did I mean by incentives? The current method incentivizes, I don't like that word, but I don't have a, rewards. <laughs> the current method rewards politicians for mudslinging and divisive campaigning. So we want to reward politicians or campaigners for offering solutions, for campaigning on issues and reaching for common ground and reaching out beyond their base to, to find um, a broader, broader base of support, even if they're not their first choice. 